Most of us are familiar with the Bible story of King Solomon, where two women come to him with a child and both claiming to be the mother. And Solomon suggests, hey, we split the baby in two and give each of you half. And as we all know, the woman who protested give the other woman the child. Solomon ultimately decided that she was in fact the mother because she chose the welfare of the child over herself. You know, not that we have to make those kind of decisions every day in HR and OD or as a leader. It often feels that way. So Joyce and I jump into this topic in terms of presenting a process, a methodology that ultimately will help us all make better choices. And this is important in life as it is obviously in the workplace. So come on in, grab a snack, welcome. Hey, Bob. <laughs> hey, Joyce. How are you? I've got my good trouble. Oh, man. On. Go cause good trouble. That's what we're yeah. about. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, we are. I mean, everyone that listened a couple of weeks ago about why we do this, we're out to cause some good trouble. Absolutely. And boy, do I have an idea for you later. However, you had just been mentioning to me an article you read in the HR magazine about sure. yeah. compromise. And so... And you started to be beautifully eloquent. <laughs> so now try what to be setup. eloquent what again. A, Bye. So, you're on your own. <laughs> so, you know, no surprise uh, since the pandemic, the whole challenge of do you uh, have a combination of, of virtual and in-person, uh, you know, uh, there's been declarations that it's now time to get everyone back to work. And this article, uh, I liked it. It's called The Great Compromise. Employers and workers are meeting in the middle over return to office policies. And uh, I don't necessarily want to talk about this, but if I think about the rationale, uh, there are a lot of reasons to bring people back into the workplace. Uh, but I, I think part of the rationale uh, to have it be all or nothing is this sense of fairness that, you know, if you let some people work from home, and then have others come to work. You almost feel like you're penalizing. So we want to be fair to everyone. So everybody come back to work. And I, I thought about my time in HR where I struggled quite often when people would say fairness is the enemy of the company achieving what it wants to achieve. Ah. It's some, that sometimes uh, when you make a decision and either or, uh, you 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 can come down on the side of saying, hey, it's we got to be fair here. If we fired this person two weeks ago for doing X, Y, Z infraction, we therefore must fire this person. Not true, right? So, right. I, so well, I, we're talking about tailor-made decisions. Yes. Versus, yes. Versus policy, strong guidelines. Yes, that's... And, See, I, try, I try to be eloquent. You just said it eloquently. Oh, God. But And at the bottom of it is legal. And at the top is the needs of the business. Yeah. When I, If I look at that as a stacked... ...decisions, you have business needs, you have tailor-made decisions for... Uh, employees, and then you have policy decisions, and under that you have legal. So, yeah, 
and actually what I, I remember what I used to say, and I meant it, I wish I'd done it. If you can put your discussion of what you're deciding on the PA or wherever people can hear it, you're, you're doing a good job. Are you willing to have the organization listen in on the kind of discussion you're having? Barring gallows humor. You know, yeah, I, 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 I like that because I'll give you a concrete example that I think would pass the light of day test getting on the PA. Um, you know, oftentimes where fairness comes to play when people have developmental opportunities outside the company. Mm-hmm. So I'll use the example being HR. So there's a lot going on in comp and benefits. And there's a conference out on the West Coast where they're really going to wrestle with not only how they got to where they are, but what the future should look like. So the head of HR says, you know, I think Bill should go to this conference Mm -hmm. and then gets challenged. Well, if Bill goes to the conference, what are you going to do for the rest of your staff? Um, And oftentimes, not all the time, that person ends up. Uh, you know, saying, yeah, you're right. Let's, let's not send them. There's another way to get this information. They, they think they're being fair, but that top uh, goal of, is it in the uh, interest of the company is gone. So I like your continuum. Yeah. And I started in the bed as you were saying that I started singing in my head, your day will come <laughs> and you sure. will be able to go to a conference. And you must attend all the darn workshops. So don't give me any lies about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're exactly right. I think, you know, I, I think what you just said is spot on. So if I get on the PA, you know, I would say what I said about the yeah. need for the head of comp to go to this. Yeah. And I'm saying I'm going to do the same for others when the need arises and it makes sense for the person yeah. and the business. Yeah, and you let the need, the business need, be prominent, and I, it makes me kind of smile to think, okay, we could post this. We need this skill. We yeah. need this new thought. We need to dip deep into this AI, perhaps. So apply if you want to be the one who goes. And, <laughs> you know, who will get it would be the person that most would benefit and the organization would. So that's kind of the process you're going through anyway. But if I felt mean spirited, I'd go, okay, who wanted to go? Don't, or if I heard about drift about, he's, oh yeah, I'll tell you who people who run around to conferences are it. And maybe they, oh, yeah. I remember yeah, that I, everybody used to go. Oh, yeah. If you're an it, you can go to a million conferences. And it's more true today. So anyhow, business need, tailor-made decisions, policy guidelines, and then legal. All of those have to be played with. And though this compromise, I assume from what you said, and I haven't read the article, it's a perfect opportunity to bring in a cross-section of people to write guidelines and have that yes. discussion videoed and available or you know captured live you can do all that so easily that nothing has to be behind closed doors well yeah. and, do, and, but, you know and, and i think what uh 
the gist of this article is that smart companies are figuring out a way to do a blend, right? And based on the desires of their workers and the and the business needs. Uh, and if, you know, the whole notion of uh, doing it one way or the other, which I think some companies have uh, wrestled with, um, I think every person's need is so unique. You and I have talked about on other podcasts about if I'm new to my job or if I'm new entering the workplace, I'm right out of school, I want to be in the workplace so I can talk to others and learn from others. Uh, and then at the other end of the continuum, it's like, hey, I'm, I still have a lot to give, but I'm not willing to do X, Y, Z. So it, it's almost like... Well, uh, then, yeah, and then the, need, if the, need, the needs of the business win. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. With as much flexibility as is possible and choice. And yet I know of a company recently um, who'd been very loose and their culture when everybody's there is quite loose and fluid. And the, the head guy said, everybody's in from Monday to Thursday. You can have Friday off. And people kind of kicked up the thing and he said, I'm the owner. I'm the boss. You get a paycheck because of me. And mm. I I need you in here. So if that doesn't work for you, let me know. But I want you Monday through Thursday. Uh, and there wasn't that much hubbub. Really? No. But the culture is such that it's, you know, young creatives that they kind mm. of have all at work. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, can I give you another context for the sense of fairness? Hmm. Um, you know, in our positions in HR, oftentimes a supervisor will come to us or the head of a department and say, I've got a performance issue or this happened. And just looking at the policies, we need to terminate this person. And uh, maybe I got a reputation of not being a pushover because I, I, didn't accept, uh, you know, just at face value, uh, what happened in a way that we make a decision to or not to do terminate. And a lot of the pushback that I've gotten is, hey, look, we fired people for this exact mm -hmm. same thing in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and here we are today, and you're saying, uh, ultimately, you make the decision, but you're saying, I'm not sure the termination is the right decision here. What was your uh, argument? Well, my argument, sort of, see, you know. so I'll give you uh, a concrete example. So, uh, you know, uh, insubordination to the boss, you know, uh -huh. is is a dischargeable offense. Give that, and, give a raise. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, you know, so, and, you know, it says the guideline and the policy is up yeah. to and including termination. So uh, I had a situation where, if you really look at what was happening, it was a highly uh, uh, pressurized conversation, okay? Mm -hmm. or, or it was a conflict that literally ended up rising to the point where the associate uh, told the boss where to get off. Mm -hmm. And right away in my office, I want him gone or her gone. Mm -hmm. and, and, and to me, the escalation Mm -hmm. You know, and has this person done it in the past? What was going on? What were you thinking? You know, mm -hmm. what could we done to avoid it? Uh, I'm not saying let the person off, 
but are we willing to essentially um, have them leave the company because of that one situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in one way, you can say you, Ms. or Mr. Boss, are in charge of the tenor of the conversation. Yeah. And as it got heated, you, you know, maybe I'll fire you for not saying, you know, we need to take a break from this and come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> that that would have no, been you- my argument, I think. But it's, it gets, uh, how do you, that's a tailor-made decision. And oftentimes, at least those challenges that come to our listeners that are the head of HR, the director of associate relations, oftentimes that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, um, so and another, you know, and you can't when you have, think of how many associates, 82,000. Uh Well, the numbers, ay, ay, ay. I'm talking myself into a hole, so I'm shutting up. Oh, how smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rarely uh, I, that smart. I, I, I wish I could only be as disciplined. I'm, I'm, I have another example, but I want you no, to no, co- cogitate. Okay. Well, well uh, um, let's put it fairness uh, in the context in the context of a hiring decision. So you're at the end stages of a selection process and you have internal candidates that are finalists and you have external candidates that are finalists. Mm-hmm. Well, so the fair thing is to take care of our own, right? So we should mm-hmm. always- The smart thing is to hire the best talent. Well, that's where I'm going. Uh, and sometimes it's a fine uh differentiation between who's the best meaning you know it's pretty darn close but if that person from the outside brings either unique experience or perspective or promotability um you can pass over i mean i would argue you could pass over uh a strong internal candidate even though it's going to come across organizationally as unfair i believe that happened when i was hired I don't doubt it because it happens all the time, right? No, I mean, I didn't know until later (laughs) people that had applied for it because remember, I got the job because I got a rejection letter. Yeah. I got a rejection letter that said, we're sorry, but you're not being hired for this job. And I called and said, I haven't applied for this job. (laughs) (laughs) And they said, oh, well, come on in. (laughs) So it was crazy (laughs) all the way around. Who are um, you guys? What do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Um, it depends what you your overt values are. Yeah. But once again, back to the business need. If your overt value is we grow people, we develop them, we have a pipeline full, uh, when in doubt or when in conflict, that value wins. Yeah. When we need refreshment for whatever the reason in the area where that job is, then once again, the business needs rule. Yeah. You know, I'm, this may be a a forced uh, comparison, 
you and I talked a couple of weeks ago about a learning organization, and mm-hmm. we went in pretty good detail. Here are the conditions mm-hmm. that are ripe. Uh, here are the leadership actions. Here's the processes that lead to a learning organization. I would argue that the same applies to what you've described as this kind of uh, decision-making where you have legal at the bottom, then you have policy guidelines. And oftentimes, that's where it stops. You know, So here's right. what the policy says. You go to legal. They look at you and say, here's your risk, and therefore, here's what I would recommend. When you get into that, uh, the hierarchy of the business need, uh, there's some real struggle going there to the tensions between uh, that continuum. And to me, that's where learning gets teased out. It's easy to look at a policy and say, well, here, here it is, black and white, up to and including termination. Where, where's yeah. that? Anything but clear. And what's um, the residue? What's the residue of, of each decision? You know, what's the residue? There was, I, I didn't know it, but a lot of people resented my hiring. I knew nothing about the job even being posted. Um, and after I got established, which I don't really know how long it took because I was excited and naive. I wasn't looking around for enemies. I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> we don't do that. But there was quite a bit of uh, irritation about the position. What, who, who needs that kind of thing? And that's money. And that's the crazy HR VP. Um, and the decision was made because the business need was getting complex for someone like OD, that someone who was wanting to do OD internally didn't have that kind of experience. I did. Yeah. didn't know, you know, like I said, it was serendipitous that I got hired. Isn't yeah. that crazy? All that, all that, well, well, yeah. and, hubbub and I was told you're not wanted for the job. Come on in. We'll interview you. Huh? I, I, so I, it's, I, it's always going to be a mess. Mike Strout would say you can't get it right. Well, he and has said it on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, he, well, I, I like your use of the term residue. So there's always fallout uh, of every decision. And if something is perceived as unfair, there's going to be residue. And I would argue that leadership's responsibility not necessarily HR, the police, but leadership's responsibility to anticipate, observe, and respond to the residue to the best you can. And clean up. Clean up the residue. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I, 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 so I'm going to say it, and I'll try to uh, at least disguise the circumstance. Uh, I was a part of a team, and as we looked around the room, we all looked very much the same. White, primarily male. Yeah. And uh, as the head of HR, um, I put it on the table, the CEO put it on the table that, you know what, we need to have a more broad representation on this team that represents our client base. So from a hiring standpoint, we made a conscious decision that over time, we would have more people of color, and more female representation. 
And there was huge residue, particularly if you're the hiring manager, you know, so yeah. as an H as an HR person, I'm going to say, I'm going to go to a recruiter and say, I want to have a, a diverse pool of candidates. Um, and, and I think that it, it always kind of rubbed the wrong way in a way there was residue, even though for the business, it was the right decision. I would say legally, it was the right decision. Um, How but, legally? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, they, they don't believe in coincidences. So if, if females get paid significantly less than their, their oh, male please. counterparts, that, that, is, uh, that is a problem legally. If you look across the organization and at certain levels, you have a pretty good representation uh, from a diversity perspective. But as you get higher into the organization, it becomes very homogenous. To me, that, that's a legal issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we did studies on that and found where the stuck places were, including yeah. one goofy one about how much weight you could lift. <laughs> if you were no, if you're yes. a manager, uh, we found the stuck points and uh, worked on those. There is an art, there not a an science art. only, to being a strong HR leader. And, Absolutely. And, and to stay aligned with your boss, the CEO, to stay aligned with the business needs, to stay aligned with the stated values, to stay aligned with legal, to stay aligned with written policy. A lot of places don't write it anymore. Um, is pretty sophisticated decision-making. Yeah. And sometimes... I used to encourage the people that reported to me to wait, make people wait for that darn decision. Oh, and you were great at that. They'll make you crazy coming at you, but wait till your gut yeah. feels settled. And if it doesn't feel settled, and the, we're talking about pretty hairy decisions at this point. Then yeah. go talk to whoever you need to talk to to get settled because you otherwise, yeah, I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, so I can remember a couple of very tough, high impact decisions I was very, very personally uncomfortable with, and I could support them. Yeah. And had you to. know, yeah, and so I what we're a, talking a about a tough, tough decision that is going to yes. have huge ramifications doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. Yeah, uh, and I your your delay uh, in terms of making a decision. Uh, you know, we talked about solitude and leadership. Mm. I think it's a great example to get someone to think very deeply about this decision. And what's your gut tell you? Uh, you know, what are the values that you're standing up or violating? Uh, it's not for the intellectually lazy by any stretch. And go and, and go isolate yourself. I mean, that's yeah. one of my, and I saw many a top leader find a way to isolate. Some would 
go visit stores. Some would just go take a very long lunch with a close friend. Some would. Uh, and what's hard is the I, I wrote a blog on this at some point about how the viewing time is so different from top positions to lower mm. down organization positions. So, um, so, you know, HR had a reputation. Oh, don't go. They'll slow you down. Don't go. Oh, yeah. Be able to hire that person. Don't go. Da, da, da. Uh, and you had to have, <laughs> I was glad I had a big brother that picked on me. <laughs> <laughs> because I just sort of live through it. But anyhow, here's my hat off to all of you. Yes. My hat's off to all of it's you. It's tough. Trying oh. to make. Well, and also to know that you're going to blow it. Every decision you make isn't going to be right. So get ready for your own residue. Yeah. <laughs> get, ready some, get ready to do some cleanup. I, I think we could leave people just uh, percolating uh, in their discomfort and uh, residue. Uh, I think our work is done here. What do you think? Adios. Amigos. At the end of today's conversation, Joyce uh, very wisely spoke about taking your time and finding the space and the solitude to really assess and trusting your gut in decision making. And you know, I wanted to come back to that because if I look at our lives today, we're so rushed, we have so much coming at us that it's really difficult to be able to take that time to step aside, but it's oh so important. Another aspect of today's world, old solutions no longer apply. There are no easy solutions. Being a lazy decision maker won't work. So hopefully you took some good nuggets from today's conversation. So until the next time, be well and be safe.